This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dafrin Johan. The UMNO General Assembly was held last week following the party's dismal performance at GE15. Now, a lot of things were said and done during the General Assembly, including the fact that UMNO passed a no-contest motion for the top two posts at the upcoming party elections. And so what does this mean? It means that Zaid Hamidi will remain party president. So what does this mean for reforms at UMNO? Joining me on the show to help me unpack this is Dr. O.A. Isan, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Center. Welcome to the show, Isan. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, getting busy nowadays as usual with all the political wranglings uh, still hanging around. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, speaking of political wranglings, recently AMNO held their General Assembly and a lot of things happened. So, But let's start with a big one, Isan. Um, at the General Assembly, AMNO passed a no-contest motion for the top two posts at the upcoming party elections. What is the significance of this? Well, of course, uh, I'm not, not having its uh, top post or top two posts uh, being contested. Uh, it's not a new development. Uh, I could remember when I was really young, when Dr. Mahathir was still in his first term, uh, almost every time there will be such a motion uh, being passed, uh, namely nobody is challenging Dr. Mahathir, and sometimes his deputy president who would be the deputy prime minister at the time as well, of the time. Uh, so uh, this is just reverting to Amno's uh, uh, old practice of trying to preserve uh, party unity and, and so on. I think, um, frankly speaking, in a lot of these uh, Asian political parties, uh, we have this sort of very rigid, uh, very structured parties, uh, party organization right. such that the president or chairman of the party will hold very uh, strong iron fist over the, the, the rest. So, to, well, this is uh, what is happening once again of Amno reverting to its old uh, practice. Yeah. Now, you, you bring up the rigidity of um, these parties. I'm wondering, what does it mean for democracy within these parties? Because Amno is a party that, you know, in public, they like to talk about how democratic they are as, you know, even within the party that, you know, they always, um, you know, YB Azalina Othman, um, you know, is someone who always says that, you know, we, you know, for whatever disagreements we may have with um, her party president, Zahid, um, at the very least, um, you know, he practices, uh, you know, a lot of democratic principles. So there's a lot of room for argument, debate, so on and so forth. But when you do something like this, what does that mean for democracy within the party? Well, of course, it's not very positive. I mean, I have been criticizing all these sort of uh, no-contest uh, rules for, for a long time because uh, while in the short term, you may be able to impose certain uh, so-called unity or party discipline, uh, but uh, in the long run, you know, people would have uh, very uh, pent-up uh, sentiments and uh, when, when it does uh, explode, then it's not pretty. You would see uh, some leaders, for example, leaving the party, forming their uh, other parties, uh, which will become competitors to your original party and so on. So, yeah, I, I think uh, this must not be, uh, you know, liberal 
properly use this sort of no contest rule. I think it's uh, not healthy for the long-term uh, survival of the party. Yeah. So what about the the short term? Because now, we, as we know, Zaid Hamidi, the, the president of AMNO, uh, um, supports the Anwar-led coalition government, um, dubbed a, a unity government. So with this latest development um, at the AMNO General Assembly, does it mean that the unity government, is uh, the, uh, the Anwar government is currently safe, at, at least in, in the short term, at least temporarily? Okay, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. If I were Zahid Hamidi, uh, I would not uh, have uh, adopted such a no contest rule. Right. I would, uh, you know, let it be a free for all, let people challenge me for the party presidency and so on. Why? Because, well, let's say again, if I'm Zahid, I'm very confident because Zahid has a uh, uh, very widespread uh, grassroots support within the party and also at the divisional levels, you could see that in in uh, one after another AMNO General Assemblies or special meetings when they try to uh, pass certain uh, resolutions and so on, it would usually be overwhelmingly in support of his uh, position. So if I were him, I would let it be open and let people challenge me. Now, that being said, of course, uh, now that his position is uh, secured, um, um you know, the, the survival of this uh, so-called unity government, which is uh, in effect a coalition government, would of course be prolonged because, as you said, uh, Zahid is uh, largely supportive of, uh, of Anwar and Anwar's uh, administration. So, yeah, so that would uh, survive for some time. But I think eventually some other AMNO members, they might have different ideas as to uh, which side the party would uh, align with. And let's see how that plays out. Um, Isan, you brought up something very interesting about, um, you know, you said if you were Zahid, you would just allow the, the top two uh, pos- positions to be contested. You would allow it to be a free-for-all um, because, you know, Zahid is popular um, in AMNO, and, and that's the thing that, that boggles the mind. What does this entire episode tell us about Zahid's popularity within the party or at least or more interestingly how Zahid perceives his own popularity within the party because if he believes that he is very very popular then why would he want to block you know the the, the contestations of the of the top two posts well uh, i i think it's because uh, i'm no uh, you know essentially lost uh, huge electorally in the last uh, general election. Granted, Zahid is still, I think, quite popular with the grassroots uh, and so on. But within the higher echelons of uh, AMNO, they are, as we saw over the past few months, uh, various uh, quite presentable leaders uh, who might put themselves out uh, to, 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 be, to, to be his challenger and so on. We are talking about uh, people such as, uh, let's say, Hisham, people such as uh, KJ and right. so on. Although I, I, I sincerely do not think they would win. Uh, in fact, I think they, will, they are likely to lose quite badly. But during the campaigning, for example, where if they were to uh, put up the, uh, other ideas such as why not why don't we align with the other side instead of this and, and so on? It's um, it's perhaps uh, not so conducive, again, 
for the unity of this party in the short run, as well as uh, the survival of this uh, government. Because nowadays, um, you see all this, uh, as I said, political wranglings, it could happen overnight. You know, some ideas would catch on and then it become larger than itself. Uh, you know, like for example, let's say a candidate for president, he, he or she is supporting, uh, uh, aligning the party with the other side. Then the party presidency contest itself may not be very exciting, but that idea may may catch on and, and so on. So I think uh, in their mind, at, this, at least at this point, they would like to uh, have the no contest rule such that such, uh, such huge ideological differences uh, do not come to be. Yeah. Okay, then on that note, um, you brought up um, uh, Kairi Jamaluddin and that's very interesting, right? Because um, it's it's no secret that he wanted to challenge for the top po- uh, position at UMNO. He wanted to be uh, the next president of UMNO. Um, he, you know, this was something that he sort of uh, mentioned during, um, even on the on the road, um, you know, campaigning uh, towards um, GE15 and, and, and so on and so forth. So what does this mean for mean for KJ within AMNO right now um, because and, and, and what does this mean for people on his camp um, where does he go from here well uh, as, as we have been saying for the past uh, 10 or maybe more years uh, <laughs> KJ is still young he could afford to wait right right um, well t- he is quite popular among the general uh, shall we say, more progressive uh, Malaysian population and electorate. But uh, for that very same reason, perhaps he is not so popular within the party. I think Amno largely uh, would, uh, I mean, the overall sentiments within the rank and file of Amno would still largely like it to be, shall we say, a machinery for distribution of various benefits and uh, resources rather than a reformist uh, party uh, trying to bring Malaysia to greater heights and, and so on. So t- uh, so it's very ironic and it's a dilemma for uh, KJ. Uh, as long as he maintains this uh, hugely popular reformist image, he would not be hugely popular within the party. So yeah, I, I guess uh, the same old saying, KJ can wait. Right, and that's very interesting, right, Isan? I'm, I'm wondering, do people like KJ in realistically have a place in a party like AMNO um, anymore? And I'm asking this because even when we look at the results of the Sungai Bulo, um, you know, the, the constituency, um, you know, pass had a vote share of about 21% in 2018 and they maintained that vote share 21-22% in the uh, in GE15 uh, as well in the 2022 elections. Um, KJ did well um, in Sungai Bulo, but it seemed like the voters who jumped ship and voted for KJ um, was Pakatan Harapan supporters. So with that in mind, um, does KJ or, and people like KJ, the, the so-called progressives of AMNO, do they even have a place within what AMNO has become today? Well, you bring up, you, know, you just brought up a really interesting observation, uh, and it's larger than AMNO itself. Uh, namely, uh, shall we say, AMNO supporters uh, 
who perhaps uh, were slightly uh, disenchanted with Amno, saying uh, you know it was not what it used to be, and uh, and, and and so on. Um, on the one hand, but on the other hand, they also could not stomach what they perceive to be the very liberal. Uh, leanings of, let's say, Pakatan Harapan, or even reformist uh, figures such as uh, uh, KJ, which they suspect would have those liberal uh, leanings. So what do these people do? Well, they are the Green Wave uh, voters, namely, uh, they are part of the Green Wave voters, namely, they were not satisfied with uh, what they perceive to be, what Amno had, had come to be quite negatively in their mind. But uh, no reformists, no liberal leanings. Therefore, they would vote for uh, especially the uh, past party, huh? which they perceive uh, to be to be uh, to their liking. I mean, with all the puritanical appeals and so on. Yeah, right. So we have KJ on one side, and then like another name you brought up was uh, Hishamuddin, right? So he was um, allegedly one of the 10 MPs that signed the SDs for uh, Muhyiddin after the, the 15th general election, um, you know, and, and you know, that, that, that has um, sort of been resolved right now. But what does it mean for those 10 MPs that you know that, yes, they are towing the party line, but not because they want to, but because that, you know, we have the anti-hopping law and so on and so forth. And, and you know, parties, you know, people should, you know, it's easier to just tow the party line. But we know that these 10 MPs, if it was up to them, they would jump ship and join Mohidin, probably form the government with Perikata National, uh, and so on and so forth. So what what's the dynamics like within AMNO um, between the ten, the camp of the ten MPs that wanted to side with prime uh, with with uh, former Prime Minister Mohidin and those that want that stick with with Zahid? What what's the dynamics like? Well, I think uh, if Zahid were to remain president uh, by the next round of general election, these 10 uh, MPs are likely to be uh, dropped, right? Because obviously, number one, they don't belong to uh, Zahid's uh, camp. Number two, uh, well, they they had obviously very different uh, ideological leanings uh, than the mainstream of uh, the party. And uh, yeah, they, they, therefore, I think they are not likely to, to be, uh, let's say, put up as candidate if uh, Zahid were to remain the president. Uh, I don't see how Zahid could reach out to them and uh, work with them to, uh, in, in the future. Yeah. On the show with me today is Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. After the break, I ask him what all of this means for the reform agenda at AMNO. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan. And on the show with me today is Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. And he's helping me unpack AMNO's most recent General Assembly. So, E. San. Now, moving away from the top two posts of AMNO, um, other things happened during the General Assembly. Now, one of the interesting things I observed is that Zayed hasn't really changed his tune since siding with Pakatan Harapan to form the government. Yes, he's not bashing DAP anymore. He's not bashing Anwar anymore. Um, in fact, he's saying that, oh, DAP is better to work with than, than pass and so on and so forth. But 
when it comes to corruption charges, he's still trying to paint a picture that Najib and others were politically persecuted and that the corruption charges, etc., are unfair. I'm wondering if this will taint the popularity of the Anwar-led government among the Malaysian masses. We are already seeing backlash among Pakatan Harapan supporters on social media who are coming out and, and, and saying Pakatan Harapan needs to tell the supporters what, what are these conditions that y'all, you know, agreed to UMNO, uh, you know, demands without question and, and so on and so forth. So I'm wondering if all of this will taint the popularity of the Anwar-led government. Zahid, number one, he himself is very much a part of the so-called court cluster, right? right. I mean, he has uh, still a number of uh, criminal charges uh, against him, uh, which are coming up for uh, various uh, hearings and, and so on. So, of course, uh, frankly speaking, is his, uh, it's in his interest, uh, his personal interest to make sure that uh, the claim that uh, all these uh, charges were politically motivated, they were part of political persecutions and so on, that this sort of uh, narrative would still uh, go on. And uh, Najib uh, still remains uh, perhaps not as popular as before, but still with sizable uh, influence within the party. So uh, um, Zahid would have to uh, sort of... uh, continue with that sort of narrative because, well, he has personal interest. As to um, how, for example, Pakatan Harapan supporters would uh, react to this, of course, they would be up in arms, right? That, uh, you know, their reformist image, uh, or at least the reformist image of the Pakatan that they supported is uh, thereby tainted by the inclusion of people such as Zahid and various other uh, UMNO leaders. Um, but pragmatically or practically, how could they react otherwise? I mean, uh, if they were to uh, not come out to vote in protest in the upcoming state elections and so on, they are likely to hand uh, all these uh, six states, uh, already three are gone, uh, three of them are gone to essentially pass with the help of uh, of uh, Bersatu. So the other three, if the Pakatan supporters are not coming out, coming out in, in, in droves, then they are likely to fall to, uh, to passers' uh, hands uh, as well. Is that what Pakatan uh, supporters would like to see? I mean, it's one thing for you to feel uh, outraged about, you know, um, the, your, the party you are supporting, uh, not to your liking and then so on. But it's quite another thing to see, you know, uh, first individual states and then perhaps later on the whole nation falling into uh, the hands of uh, perhaps uh, people you would not, well, you 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 mostly would not like to see running those states and the country as a whole, yeah. Um, what is the... We, we talk about, you know, how Pakatan Harapan um, supporters may react or have started res- reacting to the um, current configuration and, and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, there's also the Barisan National supporters. How are they taking um, all these developments, um, the, rela- the, the, the sort of um, relationship that uh, AMNO and, and Pakatan Harapan is, is starting to develop? Because... 
you know, during the the Amno General Assembly, Zahid and a number of others had to come up and once again reiterate, you know, that this is a unity government, that, you know, we have to work with them, that, that you know, this may not be the, the situation that all of us want to be in, but but this is a situation that, that you know, ultimately we, we've got no choice and, and so on and so forth. Um, it seems like, you know, just like how Harapan has to talk to their supporters, it seems like AMNO and Barisan National are also yet to completely sell this idea to their own base. What can you tell us about that? Well, it's a rapidly shrinking uh, base, isn't it? I mean, uh, as testified in the last round of general election, uh AMNO and by extension, uh, Barisan National only won, uh, I think, less than 30 seats. Right. So it's it's not a lot of base to, to persuade to, to start with. I think a lot of these uh, BN supporters are, of course, uh, sulking. Uh, sulking in the sense that, uh, yes, they are the, a, a part of this unity government, but they are, number one, decidedly uh, the junior partner, and number two, that sort of um, previously abundantly available distribution of benefits and resources, uh, perhaps uh, not quite available to them in this round, even though they are part of government. So they are, they are, they are unhappy. But what could you do? I mean, you if you have won a lot of seats and you are relegated to uh, number two, just like uh, you know a few months ago during the. Uh, Ismail Sabri and also Muhyiddin administration, then I could understand. But you won so few seats. Uh, so it, it's already a blessing that you are not relegated to the opposition. So I I think they they, they, they can't do much, is what I'm trying to, to say. But the Pakatan supporters, there are quite a lot of them. If they were to not come out during this uh, uh, imminent rounds of state elections, uh, there is a high possibility Negri Sambilan or even Selangor may fall to pass hands. Right. Now, one of the poignant things that people have um, criticised coming out of the General Assembly is that um, Amno President Ahmad Zaid Hamidi, he said that one of the reasons they agreed, they as in uh, Amno Barisan National, agreed to work with Pakatan Harapan to form the government is that Pakatan Harapan had agreed to accede to all of AMNO's demands without question. Do you know what these demands are or could be? And if you don't, is there anything that worries you about a statement like this? Well, I think these are just some sort of, uh, I don't know, war cries or something. Right. Of course, you know, in any negotiation to form a coalition government, the various parties involved, they will have their respective demands. I'm sure Pakatan Harapan similarly will have demands for AMNO, right? But uh, of course, in the process of negotiation, you would have to uh, drop some of these demands. You have to compromise, right? Maybe I drop two and you drop three. Right. And therefore, we come to be uh, uh, a coalition government. Uh, I, I, I don't think it is realistic to expect that all these uh, demands uh, are met uh, and, and so on. Uh, because uh, well, that's not what politics uh, is in, in this country and beyond. Mm. So... 
I also want to ask you about um, the relationship between AMNO, um, you know, at a federal level and AMNO Sabah. Because as we know, there was a lot of drama that unfolded over the past couple of weeks at Sabah. Um, things seem to have um, stabled, uh, you know, the, the temperature seemed to have calmed down a little bit, cooled down a little bit. But um, there was this this sort of a manoeuvring, politicking going on to sort of change the Sabah state government. Uh, as we know, Bung Mokta, who's a AMNO member, he was not uh, too keen on on, uh, on Hajiji Noor continuing uh, as the chief minister of Sabah. So there was some politicking there. Um, you know, um, Bung tried to withdraw his his um, team from supporting Hajiji. Anwar Ibrahim had to, you know, go to Sabah and, and, and try to manage the situation and, and so on and so forth. Um, with all of that in mind, what is the relationship like right now between AMNO at the federal level and Sabah AMNO? Especially since when we at the federal level, it seems like AMNO is very satisfied with the current arrangements of the of the various governments. Well, you need to realize that the Sabah branches of the various uh, Malayan parties, typically they enjoy a high degree of uh, autonomy. That has been the, shall we say, unspoken understanding or arrangement for all these uh, Malayan parties such as AMNO, such as, well, even PKR and DAP and MCA and Gerakan and so on. Uh, which uh, spread their wings to Sabah starting in the 1990s. Uh, the understanding, unwritten one, was uh, we in Sabah would uh, support you federally. Like, for example, if we win seats, uh, you know, our seats will, will count towards uh, your total and so on, so that you can form or become a part of a federal government. But otherwise, leave us al uh, alone. Uh, we will handle the politics uh, in Sabah, we will just uh, we will just give you seats. Don't worry about that. Federal seats, uh, MP seats, uh, as the state matters, we handle it by ourselves. So, for example, frankly speaking, I don't think my friend Bong uh, informed uh, Zahid that he was about to mount a coup. Let's right. say two weeks ago, when he was about to mount a coup, I don't think he he he, he informed Zahid. Similarly. Uh, when this uh, Pakatan Harapan uh, State Assembly persons, which included a federal minister, Ivan Benedict and, and so on. Well, but Ivan Benedict, he, his party is a Sabah party. But I mean, this Pakatan Harapan Aduns, uh, right. the, the DAPs and the PKRs, they came out in support of Hajiji, the existing uh, uh, state uh, chief minister, Frankly speaking, again, I don't think they inform Amwa. Uh, sorry, they inform either Anwa or Anthony Locke. I think they just took the decision by themselves and then only inform after the fact. So that has always been how politics is being played out in uh, in Sabah. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, before we wrap this conversation up, Isan, I just have one more question for you. Um, for the longest time, some people in Amno like. Sharil Hamdan, for example, have repeatedly mentioned 
that this is a party that needs to do some serious soul-searching if the party wants to remain relevant. He's, he has talked about how ever since 2018, the party keeps saying that they're going to do soul-searching, going to um, you know, do meaningful post-mortems, going to reform themselves and so on and so forth. But he said it always doesn't happen. Looking at the events and speeches that unfolded at the General Assembly, Isan, do you get the feeling that there is indeed a reform agenda within AMNO, or is it merely business as usual? I sincerely do not think there is such a reform agenda taking shape uh, in uh, AMNO. And that's because uh, AMNO's, uh, um, shall we say, overall party structure is such that it uh, enables a lot of these uh, local warlords to hold sway over, for example, a typical division. So let's say a, a warlord, uh, it's a lording over a, 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 a division. Then, of course, all these uh, uh, divisional candidates uh, are his people. And, uh, of course, they will champion uh, the interests of, number one, their division, but also this uh, warlord, such that the warlord could... Uh, in turn, uh, redistribute some, some of these uh, benefits uh, to them. So it's very difficult for people like even uh, Shalil Hamdan to, uh, you know, at the same time become such a warlord because I guess that's uh, very antithetical to his ideological leaning. Right. But on the other hand, if you do not hold sway over these sort of divisions, then you have very little say in the, in in the party's uh, general uh, affairs or general runnings, so therein lies uh, the dilemma for uh, shall we say more reformist leaders such as Sharon Handan, such as KJ, and uh, and so on. And on that note, Isan, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you very much. That was Dr. O. E. San, Principal Advisor at the Pacific Research Centre. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.